0: This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. There's a national movement of people who are considering giving up alcohol. But for many Detroiters, this is more than just a trend. Detroit Today associate producer Kate Swift spoke with some people in Detroit who are staying sober for various reasons and talked to them about the ways they're navigating that lifestyle in a city that has an emerging
1: nightlife. It's no secret that, for many people, drinking alcohol and seeing live music go hand-in-hand. Or going to an art opening, socializing with friends, the list goes on and on. So how often do we think about the role alcohol plays in our social lives, specifically in Detroit? For someone like Paige Breithart, that's a question she couldn't avoid when she lived here.
2: It always starts out fun, you know, with like that first cocktail You've got a nice outfit on, you've got a smile on your face, you smell good, you're telling great jokes, you know, like everything is fine and dandy. But then they just get to a certain point where, I don't know, drinking just becomes scary and dangerous.
1: Brightheart grew up in metro Detroit and moved to the city in 2011. In her seven years here, she mostly pursued work in art and restaurants. Brightheart was drawn to working in restaurants partly because they paid well. But the atmosphere and culture sometimes encourage drinking, even excessive drinking.
2: My relationship with drinking, my addiction, has definitely been nurtured by the service industry. I mean, if you think about it, your hours are completely different from the rest of the world. I know that during work, there will be opportunities to drink. I know that after work, a lot of people go out together.
1: She recently moved to Florida to work on becoming sober.
2: I really miss The community that is Detroit, I miss, like, all of my friends. There's a really, really close-knit group of people who always have each other's back and, you know, really try to uplift and support each other. And I see that, and I think that's a very healthy thing. My personal problem was just that it stopped being, like, a party and a gathering for me and more just of, like, a means to use alcohol as, like, an excuse, I guess, to, like, not focus on myself.
1: This problem isn't lost on some Detroit entrepreneurs and artists. People are finding new ways to serve the sober community within Detroit's rich arts and culture scene. Heather Moore is a Highland Park, Detroit-based community herbalist she created Hedgewich Holistics, which, among other things, has created a line of beverages that help maintain wellness through natural holistic healing methods. It's really hard to go out and find a place that has a good quality alcohol-free beverage that's not just like a Coke or some other kind of soft drink. Moore served beverages at a sober preview of Christian Gerrard's series, Photos of Nothing. Gerard would typically serve cocktails in an event like this and admits that he hadn't thought of the idea of an alcohol-free opening. Then he spoke with Moore and the owner of the gallery space.
3: They pitched this idea and it sounded really cool. And it's like, I've been talking to more friends. I know friends that went sober and like that have come tonight. And that it's like, like being able to go to an event where they're not trying to avoid alcohol or not be around it. Say they're sober for other reasons and they don't want to be around it all the time. It can be all ages, which is cool.
1: Do you think that anybody might be viewing the art a little bit differently? Um... With or without a drink?
3: I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, I think probably because I think of myself at other art shows that I've not been sober at, and like you take in the art a different way. You just like you becomes about again. It becomes like a party, and then a little bit less about the art. Whereas I feel like the soberness and the uniqueness of the space, people are like taking in the art more specifically. So I do think it plays a part in that. Yeah.
1: Amina Daniels is the owner of Live Cycle Delight in LCD Hot two fitness studios in Detroit's historic West Village.
0: It's really important for me to create other opportunities for people who may be needing an outlet or an alternative to something social. So I really just wanted to create a space that was safe, fun, and gave you an opportunity to kind of tune in.
1: Daniel sees the value of what she's doing for people who are sober because she's living it herself.
0: I think there's an opportunity for me, of course, to be more vocal about my sobriety. The more I'm vocal, the more people say, oh, you know, I struggle with alcoholism or I know I drink too much.
1: Despite the growing number of offerings for the sober community, Paige Breithart says she's not yet ready to come back to Detroit.
0: I have all the hope in
2: the world that like one day when I'm more comfortable in my sobriety, I can come back and still experience the same... You know, same people, same parties, same gallery openings, and the amazing food and restaurants.
1: In the meantime, Brightheart is learning more about herself, her sobriety, and where she might fit into the spaces that exist here in Detroit if she returns. If you are struggling with substance abuse, please call the SAMHSA National Helpline at 1-800-662-4357 for free and confidential information. I'm Kate Swift, WDET News.
0: Thanks to Kate Swift for that wonderful report.
1: Up next, we're going
0: to hear from someone who works with young people on substance abuse issues about that national movement of people who are deciding to stay sober. And we want to hear from you. Are you somebody who does not drink even in social gatherings? 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. There's a nationwide trend and an idea of sober consciousness. Some people might call it a sober curious movement. It's taking hold in some social circles and influencing the way people in many cities are enjoying nightlife or just any relaxation or interaction. But... Is it damaging to talk and think about being sober as a conscious choice as opposed to a health imperative? And is it a luxury to be able to choose to be sober for just physical health or wellness or for just to take a month to cleanse? How does alcohol influence our social lives? It often plays a large part in arts and in music. And in culture in cities. And for some people, it might be difficult to play a part in those scenes if they have real problems with drinking or are working on being sober. That's where we want to continue the conversation today here on Detroit Today. And we really want to hear from you. How do you handle alcohol in social situations? How do you handle alcohol? In your life, are you part of this new movement of people who say, I can do all of these things without alcohol, and I'm making a conscious choice to avoid it? Uh, As always, we want to hear from you on the phones at 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit today. And we'll work you into the conversation. And joining us now to talk more about this wellness trend is Carter Barnhart. She is Chief Experience Officer at Newport Academy, an adolescent treatment center for mental health issues, eating disorders, and substance abuse. Carter Barnhart, welcome to Detroit Today.
4: Thank you. Happy to be on the show.
0: So uh, first, tell us what sober curious actually means. I've not heard that phrase before.
4: Yeah, so sober Curious is a popular trend that actually started a few years ago and is considered more of a wellness approach to not drinking. Over the past few years, this trend has really grown, and I believe actually it's become more of a movement that's here to stay, um, especially among millennials. The premise is just simply that everyone could benefit from stepping back to honestly appraise their relationship with alcohol. And the movement really wants to motivate people to critically evaluate the subconscious ways in which drinking is socially expected of us. Um, which I think many of us can know and understand. Mm -hmm. And it's regardless of whether our behavior seems overtly problematic. Um, As a result of this movement, there's been a bunch of apps, sober bars, and more has been created to really support this. And I believe that in the next chapter of this wellness revolution that we've been experiencing over the last five to ten years, we'll see more and more people trying to be sober.
0: And uh, is there something different about what's happening now across the country than in the past when it comes to people making that choice about whether they are sober or whether they will uh, indulge alcohol?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think absolutely. The sober curious movement is really challenging the norm. If you think about it, our society has generally built around drinking. Alcohol is the only drug that you have to explain to people why you don't use it if you're choosing not to drink. And the goal of the Sober Curious movement is really to challenge this. Um, And now choosing to be sober is not a luxury that everyone has, for sure. As you acknowledged in the opening piece, alcohol is the most widely abused substance in the U.S. It's one of the biggest health crises in the United States today, with approximately 18 million Americans affected by alcohol-related problems. And many of them meet criteria for alcohol addiction and cannot simply stop. However, what we see, and especially what we see at Newport Academy, is that many young adults come to us because of their anxiety, depression, trauma, and they self-medicate with alcohol. Mm. They're not necessarily alcoholics, um, but we challenge them to really be curious about what their relationship with alcohol is and look at why they're drinking. And as a result, we see many clients that then choose to be sober. And what's amazing is that there are now places for them to go and meet other people who are not necessarily addicts, but are also choosing to abstain, that they can build their own community. It used to be that recovery only occurred in church basements. People were really ashamed, would hide that they were sober. And what's different now is that there's socially acceptable places to go and that more and more people understand why you're not drinking. And it doesn't have to be this taboo topic.
0: Mm. Um, my guest is Carter Barnhart. She's the Chief Experience Officer at Newport Academy, which is an adolescent treatment center for mental health issues, eating disorders, and substance abuse. We're talking about the idea of being sober curious, this new trend, I guess, in some social circles where people are choosing not to indulge alcohol, choosing not to ever be a part of uh, drinking, even in social situations or by themselves. Uh, this is, Kind of a trend among millennials uh, that we are hearing about, uh, and we want to hear from you. Uh, are you part of this trend of abstaining from alcohol by choice, choosing to engage in social situations in a different way, maybe than you did before? How much of your social life? actually revolves around alcohol or other substances. And have you considered giving up alcohol as a way of living a different kind of life? As always, the number here on the phones is 313 1019 That's 313 1019 You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll work you into the conversation, no surprise We've already got quite a few people in queue for uh, to, for this conversation. Let's start with Aaron in Detroit. Aaron, what's on your mind? Hi. Hey. Yeah,
3: I I might be a little bit biased because I don't drink anymore, uh, and it's been like 33 years, but. Uh, our society, you know, with the advertisements and everything, and you know, we could, we would assume almost that everybody does it, but that's really not true. There's a lot of people that don't drink and that are comfortable not drinking, and I don't have a problem with other people drinking uh, if that's what they do. So I don't think it's as big of a deal to uh, interact with people who do drink uh, because I don't drink, and I don't think it's such a big deal for people who drink to interact with people that don't. Uh, So I think it's not as uh, uh, an uncomfortable situation as we might think.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Aaron, I appreciate the call. Uh, Carter Barnhart, uh, he he raises an interesting issue, which is that the interaction between people who are not drinking and people who are, which is a potential source of tension, I guess, in in some situations, Uh, talk about how that plays out in the sober curious movement.
4: Yeah, it's actually interesting. So beer sales have been sliding for the past five straight years. Um, And what we've seen as a result of that is companies like Heineken have unveiled these new drinks that have no alcohol in it. And they actually had a campaign this past winter, which was Now You Can, and it showed responsible adults enjoying no buzz brews in work meetings or even sitting behind the wheel driving a car. And So you can see these alcohol companies are actually responding to this trend of people not drinking and providing them with new beverages to drink in these scenarios. And I think that the person who called in obviously has 30-some years of sobriety under his belt, so he's comfortable being around people who are drinking alcohol. That's not the case for everyone. Um, We see for some of our clients when they return back home that it can be really hard to be in social situations, and especially if people are kind of peer pressuring them and saying like, oh, that's so lame. Why are you not doing that? We work with adolescents and young adults. And a lot of times when adolescents abstain from drinking, it's like very odd and their friends can't understand why. And so we try to arm them with different tools, um, such as just ordering a different drink and having a buddy and having someone to rely on when you feel uncomfortable and then also setting a time to leave. Nothing good happens after two a.m. usually, um, or maybe even after midnight. (laughs) Uh, And so, setting your own boundaries and knowing what those are, so that you don't put yourself in an
0: uncomfortable situation. Mm, Yeah, Uh, Aaron, as always, thanks very much for the call and the thoughts. Let's go to Alberta in Detroit. Alberta, welcome to the show.
4: Good morning.
2: Good morning. I just want to thank this lady because she is speaking truth,
0: and I want her to know how much we appreciate it. And also, to just tell her that we, like the other uh, callers, say, everyone's not doing it. And we have to let uh, communicate to our kids because with, the, the deck is stacked against us. Let's face that. With all of the advertising, with all of, even when, I'm upset when they do television and they have. Wine and liquor is a part of it. Well, what's your special? That's so hard for a person who's addicted, who's in recovery. But I fully totally understand where she's coming from. And Detroit joins her in this quest for folks who choose not to, to not to. Hmm. Hmm. Alberta, I really appreciate the call and, uh, and the perspective there. I think uh, there's no question uh, that this is difficult given the, the incredible pressures from social media, from, from commercial media, uh, to, to be someone who does drink. Uh, so I really appreciate the call and the comments. Let's go to Dwayne and Warren. Dwayne, what's on your mind?
5: Um, you know, I'm 45, and I do salsa dancing. I, I'm a teacher, actually, as well. And I go out, and I haven't drank for a very long time. And there is, I think, this kind of atmosphere where you're in this nightclub or or social situation where people do want you to drink. And it's kind of like a joke for me now, it's like, oh, you know, come on, will not you take a shot with us? will not you do this? Why not you do that? And I will be honest, sometimes I'm like, hey, you know what, I'll do this just to get the pressure off. But it's one of those things where sometimes I'm like, do I want to go out if I have to drink, you know, how can I relax and just take it easy? Because for me, it's wellness, it's health. But I also have this hidden story that I bring up every now and then about, hey, my mo- my grandmother died from alcoholism, so I don't do it. And then people are just like, oh, yeah, you know, and then the story. Is, I don't drink a lot, only when I'm out. So it's so interesting how people change mm-hmm. when they hear a story.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Dwayne, that's uh, th- that's a really great point, um, uh, Carter Barnhart. Uh, you know, I, I am also the child of an alcoholic uh, who who died uh, of alcoholism. In fact, uh, and and for me, I, I kind of feel like Dwayne, where it's this kind of story that lurks in the background all the time. Uh, and when you're in social situations that involve alcohol, is when you think of them the most. I will say that I'm not. An abstainer. I've uh, always drank socially uh, uh, in my adult life and have never felt uh, compelled to, to stop drinking. But even though that's true, um, I, I feel a, a kinship with someone like Dwayne, who I think, uh, again, is always reminded of the danger that's there and, and the history uh, that, that, that shaped us as, uh, as people.
5: Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Carter, uh, do you want to respond to what uh, Dwayne was saying there?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I so I've made the choice, I guess you could say, (laughs) to abstain in social settings from drinking alcohol. Um, And it's interesting to see what's happened over the past 10 years since I've been on this sobriety journey is that people become more and more accepting of it and ask fewer questions about why. But you also do have those people that peer pressure you. And putting that personal touch on it, I actually think is really important. So, Duane, I know you said that sometimes you open up and tell people, you know, I have a family member who suffered from this, and that's why I'm making this choice. And I see when people do that, that suddenly the pressure goes away, and they stop peer pressuring, you know. like, okay, I guess I can understand. That makes sense. Let me move on to someone else. The real reason that people pressure you to drink is typically because they feel uncomfortable with how much they're drinking. And so they want to make sure that you're drinking as well. Um, And just I think that it's really important to be aware of what your motives are. And when you're in a situation where you feel comfortable, I always encourage people to be vulnerable because that vulnerability may even help someone else.
0: Okay, callers, hang on the line. I want to thank Carter Barnhart, uh, Chief Experience Officer at Newport Academy, for being with us for this conversation. I know you have to to run to another engagement, but thanks very much for being with us.
4: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah. Uh, Let's go to Tomias in Ferndale. Tomias, welcome to the program.
4: Thank
3: you. Yeah, Yeah, I want to agree with a lot of the things she just said about peer pressure I'm a younger person. I made the decision about ten months ago to stop for health reasons. I also uh, have had deaths in the family due to alcoholism, and I come from the service industry. and There's a lot of pressure, like Toler was saying earlier, and a lot of it's not overt. It's not, "Hey, you should drink too." It's it's subvert. It's just what you do, and it's that culture. And it it has been hard. It was very difficult for me at first. I wasn't comfortable going out. And in Ferndale, there's a lot of bars, there's a lot of restaurants, and that's what people do. And, you know, it's taken a lot of time for me to go back, be able to comfortable to go back to concerts and be in those environments, because I I was very drawn to wanting to drink. It was like, hey, everyone else is doing it. why mm-hmm. I, I, I want to do this, too.
0: So so Tomias talked to me some about what brought you to to your decision uh the 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 thing that said to you I well, can't do this anymore. Well
3: uh, <laughs> not to uh well to be realistic it's like I I drink heavy for a while but it was never a problem. I've always held my my own with jobs and everything and uh just uh, just under 2 years ago um I lost my younger brother to drinking and um uh, It was was very sudden. It was very difficult. And that caused me to drink even heavier for a long time before I realized I was like, I'm headed down this same path. I I need to stop.
0: Wow. Wow. Tomis, I really appreciate the call and your candor about uh, the things that you've decided and and the struggles that that you've had with yourself and in your family. Uh, Let's go to David in Lake Orion. David, welcome to Detroit Today.
3: Yeah, you know, I just wanted to uh, touch base on the fact that um, hearing about this, uh, this sober curiosity movement is incredible. I'm a, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I'm 32 years old. And if, if there would have been a support system that I could have learned that being social sober at an early age, I might not have found myself fighting this terrible disease in my adult life. And um, I I just, you know, this topic this morning really spoke to me. I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is a great support group for me. Um, But to hear that there's other things out there where I can go and be social and find out who I am as a sober person, I think is very important. Um, And it's a great message to get out there today.
0: Mm. Yeah, David, uh, again, I appreciate the call. And the real candor behind what uh, you're you're talking about there, in terms of your own your own journey here. Uh, let's go to Wesley and Mount Clemens. Wesley, welcome to the yes, Detroit uh, Times.
6: Yeah, my, my again, I concur with all the uh, the people who are on the show currently. I just stepped in my car. I'm heading off to my meeting in Mount Clemens. Wow, and it's a part of my life today. I've been working at this since October second, nineteen eighty six. Um, sometimes I wish I could claim that many years of clean time. However, I've had relapses. But <clears throat> excuse me, my relapses have taught me a lot about alcoholism, drug addiction. OK, uh, today I'm responsible. I just don't pick up the first one. Now, when I go to a party, my first sponsor told me, I said, uh, if you feel really kind of strange, pick up a cup, put an olive in it and a swizzle stick and just walk around and enjoy yourself. That way, people may not approach you and ask you, are you drinking? Have a drink or pressure you. Okay. Always drive yourself to some party or what have you. Uh, it was pounded into me, um, actually, when I, in early recovery, that most everybody out there who drinks or imbibes, it's bad, evil. I don't buy into that anymore. It, I, I make it bad. I make it wrong. Okay. Mm. Because I don't know when to put it down. Wow. And that's the plain and simple fact of it. It is part of my life today. I don't feel queasy around. Uh, I've got a, a a lady friend that uh, has a beer or two once in a while. I have no problem with that. Just don't get drunk around me. Is right. all I ask.
0: Right, Wesley. Now, Wesley, I, I really appreciate the call, uh, and again, the the, the really frank uh, discussion about about what you're dealing with and 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 how you how you manage this this problem. Which I think, again, we don't always think of as a problem, And in some instances, what we're seeing are people just choosing to do differently because they want to. But in your case, obviously, uh, you had a health imperative uh, behind it as well. I think there's not a whole lot of distance between what we're talking about and what you're experiencing. Uh, let's go to Lindsay in Plymouth. Lindsay, I've got only about a minute left, but I wanted to get you in here.
4: Okay. Thanks so much for talking about this today. This has been such a great conversation. I have been sober for two years for health purposes, but I definitely saw myself going down a path of addiction. And I'm really passionate now about Specifically, the dangers for alcohol for women and sharing that with other women in my community, Um, specifically mothers. I think as a society, the mom wine culture idea has just become so pervasive and it's so damaging, especially when you look at how alcohol um, impacts women's bodies differently. Um, And there's so much research about alcohol and female cancers that it's just not talked about in the health community.
0: Mm. Uh, Lindsay, I really appreciate that call as well and that, that perspective on, uh, on this issue. Okay, that's going to do it for us on Detroit Today. We want to give a huge shout out to Detroit Today Associate Producer Kate Swift for her reporting on this subject and her work producing this segment, and of course, all her great work over the past few months. Tune in Monday, we're going to hear an hour-long special from Embedded about Mitch McConnell, including an interview with the powerful Republican Senate leader. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again on Monday.